0: It is good to see everybody here today. I forgot to introduce myself earlier. My name is Nathan, and I'm blessed to serve here at St. John's as one of the pastors, as well as a pastor over at Peace Lutheran Church in Tustin. Your brothers and sisters at Peace Lutheran Church in Tustin send their warm greeting to you. I'm thankful to be here with you today. I thought it would be a good way to start our time together today by talking about a story a story that is told about the Wright Brothers. Now, my wife is a huge Wright Brothers fan, hailing from the great state of Ohio. And uh, so she even went to Wright State University. It's said that during the December of 1903, after many attempts of getting their flying machine off the ground, they were successful. So they sent a telegraph to their sister Catherine and it said this, We have actually flown 120 feet. We'll be home for Christmas. So Catherine, full of excitement, she hurried off to the local editor of the local newspaper and showed him the message. He glanced at it and said, How nice. The boys will be home for Christmas. He totally missed the point. He missed the big news. People had flown. How many of us, how many of us today are so caught up in the tinsel and trees, the commercialization of Christmas, the buying of presents, the hectic pace of our lives, that if we're not careful, like that newspaper editor, we'll miss the point of Christmas itself. We'll miss out on experiencing a deep and abiding joy that comes from the big news that's revealed in God's Word for us today. So my prayer for us as we start today is simple. Father, send your Holy Spirit to us today to show us how Christ's presence in our lives Brings us joy, joy like Mary, Elizabeth, and even the unborn John the Baptist. Rekindle our joy in the midst of the brokenness of this world, the hectic pace of this season, and the constant distractions. Amen. So we're going to pick up our lesson today with Mary. Now, many of us know about Mary and I'm sorry to disappoint the many of you who love a ah, popular Christmas song that we sing these days, Mary, Did You Know? Anybody ever heard of this song before? As you'll discover today, the answer is yes, Mary did know. Sorry to ruin that for the rest of you. We're going to pick it up with Mary, what an incredible woman, young woman barely a teenager, likely somewhere between the ages of 13 and 16 years old. She was from a podunk town in the middle of nowhere, and she had just had her life significantly altered. She's engaged to this local carpenter named Joseph. She's probably excited and nervous about what the future held for the two of them, and just then, the angel Gabriel appeared to her and told her that she was favored by God, that she would conceive and and give birth to a son. And not only that, but this would be no ordinary child, but the very Son of God, the long-awaited Messiah, whose kingdom would never end. So perplexed and bewildered, Mary asks, I think, I think the natural response to any of us, how, how could this be? She may be young, but she knows how this sort of thing works. She's a virgin. And the angel, the angel Gabriel, answers her, this is what he says, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Put yourself in her shoes. Her life was headed one direction, and now everything is upended. What would Joseph say? What would the people in her village say or do? She knew that the punishment for having a child out of wedlock could be quite severe. The ridicule she'd experience well, that would be the least of her worries. But she responds in a profound way. She responds with faith. She trusts in the word of God. She trusts that God's word would never fail. So, likely filled with wonder, fear, maybe excitement and bewilderment, all mixed together, she hurries off to the one person who might be able to make sense of it all, to support her. The angel did say her relative, old Elizabeth, somehow might be having a baby. Maybe she'd help. Maybe she'd even understand. And this was no small journey. It was three to four days' walk to the Judean hills, somewhere between 80 and 100 miles. They had no cars back in the day, but had to travel on foot. And filled with a nervous energy, she sets out. She hurries, it says, to her her relative Elizabeth, starting at verse 39. At that time, Mary got ready, and she hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leapt, for, leapt in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, blessed are you among women and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leapt for joy. Lest is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. What a scene. And this is a narrative. And as you hear narratives in scripture, allow yourself to be transported into the moment. Largely today, we're not going to spend our time picking apart and analyzing every part, but we are going to seek to be there in that room with Elizabeth and Mary. I want you to think about what that must have been like, the feelings, experience. What's the mood of the room? There is great joy. There is excitement. There's even happiness. And you could almost Hear it in Elizabeth's voice as she exclaims loudly, Blessed are you, Mary, among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. I want you to remember that both of these women are in tough spots. One, a no-status girl from a no-name town, pregnant out of wedlock. And the other, a barren woman, longing for children but unable to conceive in a culture where being barren was worn as a symbol of shame. Both had received the unmerited grace of God. God's word had come to them in their moments of need, and it changed their reality. They deserved nothing, but God gave them everything. But what is the true source of this joy? Is it merely because they are both pregnant? Sure, that's exciting. Or is it something much more? The text tells us that the Holy Spirit revealed to Elizabeth that Mary was pregnant. And not, not only that, but that the child she is carrying, and we need to get this, is her Lord. This is a confession of faith Jesus is Lord. The Apostle Paul tells us that we cannot even say Jesus is Lord without the Holy Spirit moving in our hearts. And it is that very Holy Spirit that has inspired Elizabeth in this moment to make this astounding confession of faith. Even the unborn baby inside of Elizabeth's womb is overjoyed at the presence of his Savior. This baby... In Elizabeth will be given the name of John and he will prepare the way as a great prophet proceeding and preparing for Jesus earthly ministry. See John's ministry pointing to Jesus it was starting even before he was born. There is so much joy in this scene, so much to be joyful about, even if the circumstances surrounding these events are filled with uncertainty that could certainly cause worry and fear. In this holy moment, filled with the Holy Spirit, there is only joy because of the presence of the holy living baby beginning to grow in Mary's womb. I want you to ponder that for a moment. In today's medical terms, we would call Jesus at this stage of development, just a few days old, a zygote. He's too small for the naked eye to see. Think about the joy caused by something so small that to the world today might even be called insignificant. But to these Two women who trust that God does what he promises. It is a wonderful, mysterious moment as they ponder this unmerited grace that the Savior of the world was coming into the world, and they get to play a part in it all. God, in human flesh, inside young Mary's body, Mary voices this in a joy-filled song as she sings out these words. My soul, my soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed for the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy, holy is his name. God pours his favor on lowly and humble people. God will always do what he says he will do. His word can always be trusted. The savior of the world had come and will come again. Friends, The joy experienced in this narrative brings us great joy today as God's people, especially as we ponder this holy moment and the moments we will gather to celebrate this in just a few days on Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. But but the reality is for many of us, the reality is for many of us that Christmas often is anything but joyful. So, I want to examine that today. Maybe we've wrongly thought about joy. Maybe we've wrongly thought about where it comes from and so allowed the world to rob us of that. So, what's robbing you? What's robbing you of your joy this Christmas season? I asked that question on my social media feed this last week and got a handful of answers. Actually, a bunch. So there's a lot of people robbed of their joy. (laughs) And I summarized it in a handful of things. First, for many, it's the busyness of the season. I'm sure many of us could relate. Why do we fill our lives with so many hectic, frenetic, activity-filled days hoping to find happiness in it all, only to be left disappointed and burnt out? The feeling fades. For others, it's the commercialization of Christmas. You know, where we willingly put ourselves into massive amounts of debt in an effort to buy happiness for ourselves and those around us. But no amount of money or stuff ever seems to do the trick. From a compassionate place, there are others today where the holidays present a particular hardship. And this is a tough one. Many of us during these times are forced to acknowledge the absence of a loved one at the family gathering. We feel grief. We hurt, feel that hurt and that pain all over again. I think all of us can acknowledge how this last season has taken its toll. just even when we thought this pandemic was coming to an end, we've got another more contagious variant. Will this pain and suffering ever end? And maybe for you, it's an... It's not external, it's an internal struggle with the pain of your past. You are burdened by the weight of your sin and your past mistakes and your shame. And somehow during the holidays, you have more time to reflect on all of your shortcomings and failures. Is it even possible for us to even think about joy as we prepare for Christmas in just a little under a week? truth is this. There's a difference between happiness and joy. Feelings of happiness can be fleeting, but joy, joy is anchored in Jesus and what he has done and will do for each and every one of us. That never changes, so joy never runs out. Let me tell you the truth. Joy comes not from the presence under your tree, but the presence of Jesus in your life. Amen? We believe that. Let me show you what I mean. There's a deep and abiding blessing and joy that the little baby in Mary's womb that day was indeed the God who created all things and had chosen to become one of us and to dwell among us. There's a joy at the manger as we join with the shepherds, with a mother and a father to worship and ponder this great mystery that God himself had come to be with us. There's an unexpected joy as we look to his body hanging on the cross where he, the one born in Bethlehem, stood in our place and put an end to our selfishness and pride, put an end to our guilt, put an end to our shame, and into our past, our present and future mistakes, put an end to the power of death that seeks to rob us of joy today. And he put an end to our greatest enemy, the devil, once and for all. And friends, there's there's a joy as that tomb opened and his body left living, breathing, and promised us that death does not have the final word. Jesus spoke these comforting words to his disciples shortly before his crucifixion and speaking of life after the resurrection. Words that define the reality of all disciples following the risen Jesus today. That's you and I. This is what he said. You have sorrow now. But I will see you again. Then you will rejoice. And no one can rob you of that joy. Because Jesus rose again, we have been given not a fleeting happiness, but a lasting joy by the power of the Holy Spirit living in us. It's a joy that cannot be robbed from you. Trusting in Christ's promise of new life has a way of breaking through sorrow and worry and pours joy into the way we think and the way we experience life. I love the way that pastor and theologian Dr. Robert Kolb puts it. I want you to hear these words. They blessed me as I was researching for this message today. The joy Jesus arouses in us gives us the confidence to proceed and even dare in difficult, seemingly impossible situations. Because it arises from confidence in the presence and power of Christ, who has conquered all our enemies in his death and resurrection. Did you catch that? Joy arises from the presence of Christ in your life. Just as the child leapt in Elizabeth's womb, so too our hearts leap in our chest. Today, just as the presence of Jesus in Zechariah and Elizabeth's living room some 2,000 years ago in a newly conceived unborn baby brought forth joy from all who were present, so too we have the opportunity to experience that same joy as Jesus comes to us today. Jesus is with us today. He comes to us through his word, through his people gathered around his word, through the very meal we will receive in just a little bit. Jesus is here. Honestly, in light of that, I think the church should be the most joyful place on earth. Friends, Disney's got nothing on us. When Jesus enters the room of your heart... When he enters the room of this church, he brings you an unspeakable joy. Amen? Amen. 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 Let us pray.